And today's text is going to be chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. So I'll ask those of you that are here, if you're able to stand, you can follow along as I read. If not, where you're seated is fine. James continues to write by the Spirit and says, verse 9, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Let's pray if you would. Please join with me. And Father in heaven, I so thankful to you for this time that we as a church, as your church, have together in your word and particularly as it relates to this passage that's before us today, Lord, we, <laughs> it's here for a reason. So all scripture is God breathed. So you've got something here that you want us to see and know. So Lord, we need for the Holy Spirit now to get our attention and keep our attention so our minds don't wander, because they're prone to do that. And when that happens, we miss what it is that you have for us. And I don't think there's any of us here that want that. That's why we're here. We're here for you to speak into our lives in and through your word. So Lord, will you do that? Will you speak? Your servants are listening. We ask. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. <laughs> this is what I love about God's Word and teaching verse by verse. What I'm hoping to do today is answer the question of why it is that prosperity can be more dangerous than poverty in the life of a Christian. They, they can both be dangerous, but based on what James by the Spirit writes in the text that's before us today, true to form, he really addresses this issue of how dangerous prosperity can be. This is a word for the rich. Nothing wrong with being rich. It's not what you have is what has you. And this is what he's going to tackle here in the text. And in so doing, we're provided with a clear explanation in no uncertain terms, which as we get to know James in our study through this epistle, that's going to become abundantly clear. It already has in a way. I mean, very blunt, very clear. He pulls no punches. And in no uncertain terms, he's going to now address this issue concerning the dangers of prosperity. I think before we jump in, it would be appropriate by way of a reminder to share with you the most 
misquoted verse in all of the Bible. You know which one I'm talking about? It's when the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and says that the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So this is the danger, and we're going to talk about that. The first one is in verse 9, and it's that prosperity can foster spiritual pride. Here, James makes it clear that the believers who aren't wealthy and humble by earthly standards should actually take pride in their exalted position. Now that's quite paradoxical, isn't it? Because you would think he would say the exact opposite, but he doesn't. Which brings up the question. And the question is, (laughs) why is he starting out this way? And the answer is, is that it's because the rich Christian who is wealthy by the world standards, is prone to fancy themselves as being more blessed than others. This is what in turn leads to spiritual pride. Here's what it looks like. Here's this wealthy Christian that certainly has been prospered, And they'll let you know by the car that they drive, and the clothes that they wear, and the bling that is on them. We're going to talk about this when James addresses this again later on. He said, hey, if somebody walks into your church, pastor, this is to me, you can come, but it's to me. Uh, Don't show them, well, it's to you too, so (laughs) don't show them favoritism. Guy walks in, he's got bling all over, gold rings on all of his fingers, and the big gold chain, and and he's not a rapper, he's just got bling. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, pulls up in his Mercedes Benz or whatever, and walks into your church, like, oh, brother, have a seat here. You, get up, what are you doing sitting there? You go in the back, and here, can, can we get you anything, a cup of coffee maybe? What are you doing? Maybe better ask, why are you doing that? Because that's how we think. We look at that guy, we think, wow, this guy is blessed of God. He has the favor of God. I'm not. I don't drive that kind of car. God must favor him more than me. And make no mistake about it, they're going to eat that up. In fact, they will invite and encourage that from you, which is why they dress like that. They want you to notice that. Look at me. Did you see the kind of car I pulled up in? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, if it's the same one I'm thinking about, it's got a huge door ding in it. Because you tried to park at an angle so it wouldn't, and somebody saw that and thought, oh, I know where I'm going to park. And so... And it's got a, a door ding in it now. Hmm. It's all going to burn. And that's really the, the point that James is going to make here. But 
the issue here is that the believer who's not rich sees themselves as being humble. And by the way, humility comes from the word humiliate. That's why we have this word here in our text today. It's a humiliation. And what's the, the opposite of humility? Pride. And so here's the rich brother in Christ who is taking pride in their status by worldly standards. Here's the thing. Our net worth has absolutely nothing to do with our self-worth in Christ. Oh, man looks at the outward appearance. Man notices the car that someone drives or the clothes that someone wears or the bling that someone has on. That's what we notice. And we tend to judge them on that basis and even favor them and try to even cater to them. But God sees the heart. And you're looking at this guy outwardly and there he is with all of his wealth. And here's the other brother or sister in Christ who does not possess that wealth. And they think that they are less in the eyes of God. And James is seeking to correct that by the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Actually, hold your head up. And take pride. This is a healthy pride, by the way. I thought pride was sin, not this pride. (laughs) This is a pride, a healthy pride in your position in Christ. You hold your head up. Well, yeah, I'm not going to sit next to him because, did you see that bling? I won't even be able to see the pastor. It's already bright enough up here anyway. Uh, Do you see yourself as less than them? Actually, as we're going to see next, it's the other way around. And that's our second one in verse 10. Prosperity can foster wrong trust. This really, they're all dangerous, but to me this is probably amongst the most dangerous when it comes to prosperity. Here again, James makes it just as clear that believers, conversely, who are wealthy by earthly standards are actually in more danger because having riches can lead to wrongly trusting in riches. I love that proverb that basically goes like this. So you've got wealth. Don't feast your eyes on your wealth. Do you want to know why? Because wealth has this way of sprouting wings and flying up to heaven. Bye-bye. Don't trust in it. Don't feast your eyes on it. Don't look to it. That's the wrong trust. You know, (laughs) all of our money, right? In God we trust. Give me a break. (laughs) Do you realize which God that is? It's not Jehovah God. That's another topic for another time. I probably shouldn't have opened up that can. So let's put that lid back on. 
So here James wants to again correct this misunderstanding when it comes to the wealthy Christian and the Christian who's not wealthy. You're both on a level playing field. Don't let the wealthy Christian think he's all that. And don't let the Christian who's not wealthy think, I'm not worthy. Because God sees you on the same level playing field. It matters not. It matters not. Hey, is it okay to have that? Yes. But again, don't let that have you. The Lord should have you. He exhorts them to take pride, not in their riches, but in their humility. And here's why. (laughs) Because riches pass away. They don't last. You're trusting in that? Well, here's what you're trusting in. You're trusting in a flower that, well, you know how flowers are. We just, guys, we just bought flowers, right, for our wives. My wife loves flowers, and I'm always, you know, getting her flowers. But, and the Lord knows my heart, and I love my wife very much, but them flowers don't last. I mean, they're, you know, when they're in the, you know, the case at the florist and, you know, the, by the way, has the price gone up? Is it just me? Wow. Anyway, enough of my problems. So, you know, you bring them home and here's these beautiful flowers. You're like, wow. Wake up the next morning, you're, instead of going, wow, you're going, oh. You know, flowers like this, kind of wilting and dying, and it just doesn't last. So buy chocolates instead. I mean, you know, of course those don't last either. That's if they make them home when you buy them. This is what I love about God's Word, and this is what I love about James, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because he's being so honest here. He's, he's not just, and th- this is how God does what God does when He inspires the writer of His Word. I mean, this is a textbook case of, don't do this, here's why. Here's the why behind the what. What's the what? The what is, don't trust in your riches. Why? (laughs) Because it's like a flower that's going to wilt and die and pass away. It's like this bird or whatever you want to call it, insect that, you know, all of a sudden grows wings. It didn't have wings yesterday. Well, this morning it has wings and it's flying away. Don't trust in it. Don't look to it. Don't feast your eyes on it. But that's what happens when we experience a measure of prosperity. We look at that and we go, wow. Well, don't get too, uh, uh, (laughs) what do I say, too fond of that. Ah. Here's the truth. And this is apropos 
for where we're at in the world today concerning money. Do you realize that you can go to bed tonight and the amount of money you have in the bank when you go to bed tonight may not be there when you wake up in the morning? Do you know why? Well, like the flower that passes away, as we're going to talk about at the conclusion of our time, it can be taken away that fast. For those of you who have been following the situation in Canada, you know what they did, right? You know that GoFundMe had 10 million with an M dollars in it for those truckers. You know what they did? They confiscated it. They took it. They took the money. So if I'm not to trust in my riches, but instead obviously trust in the Lord who gives riches, I got nothing to worry about. Because my GoFundMe account in heaven, I'm set for life. (laughs) I'm set for eternal life. And oh, by the way, not just then and there, but here and now. What do you mean? Oh, like God is going to say, hey, I'm going to take care of you. The riches that you have in heaven. Well, I could use some of that now. Can I get an advance? Whatever I have need of, God is going to provide. You know, (laughs) those who don't have the riches and the wealth by earthly standards, I'll tell you what they do have. Faith. Well, no, think about it. Hey, when the money's in the bank, you're like, I'm good. It's when you don't have the money in the bank, and the rent is due, and you've run out of month, I mean money, before you've run out of month. Let me try that again. (laughs) You know how it is when you get your money, and it's your paycheck, and it's supposed to last for a month, and the problem is you run out of money before you run out of month, and the rent's due at the end of the month, or the beginning of the month, and you don't have the money, What is your prayer life like? Tell you what mine's like. Oh God! (laughs) God! And and actually, it's more like this. It's like, God, um, you've got a serious problem. The rent's due. (laughs) Yeah, because wait, you're the owner of everything. I'm the manager. I mean, I, I, I own nothing. I manage everything. It's your money. God, you got rent due at the first of the month. I don't know what you're... That's in a sanctified way, of course, but you get the point, right? When we, <laughs> when we were renovating this church, I tell you, I, I learned, I grew so much in my faith. Because I watched God provide in miraculous ways. That's not hyperbole. I mean literally. It was a miracle. I mean, we're looking at our payables and our expenses, and I'm looking at the building going, Oh God. <laughs> but this is God's church. And that's God's money. 
And so I'm like, God, um, did you see the payable you've got due? Uh, it's your church. What do you? I got it. Well, why why don't you do it then? <laughs> because I'm doing something in you. Oh, I get it now. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, JD, I'm using myself as the poster child, taking one for the team here. If I'm not mistaken, JD, uh, you you actually prayed and asked me to teach you to trust me more. Remember that prayer? Oh, that was an old prayer. Lord, I I didn't know that. If if I'd have known this is how you're going to answer that prayer, I would not have prayed that prayer. (laughs) Well, you wanted to have more faith. You wanted to trust me more. How's that going for you home? I don't have any choice. I have to trust you, Lord. Those who put their trust in the Lord will never be disappointed. I bet I could go around the room. Every single one of you could share your testimony about how you trusted the Lord. And at the 11th hour, He pulled through as only He can and is always faithful to in ways you weren't even thinking. And He made you sweat. (laughs) But that's a sanctified sweat because He's teaching you to trust Him. Put your faith in Him. He will never, ever let you down. See, our problem is we want God to advance us that which we're asking Him for so that we can sleep better at night, knowing we've got it covered. God says, well, well, it sounds to me like then you're putting your trust in the balance, your bank balance. Think about the Israelites. Stay with me on this. This is a, a powerful, powerful principle. The Israelites had to go to bed every single night trusting God that in the morning there would be manna to eat. And you know what happened? What they did? And come on, don't be too hard on them. You would have done the same thing. I'm going to get extra so that, you know, I got more just in case, you know, just kind of. And then it turns into maggots. And oh, how quick are we to those Israelites? They don't trust God. That's you. That's you. Every morning they would wake up and that manna was there. And even on the Sabbath, which which was a picture of Jesus, fulfilled by Jesus, the Lord said, you can get enough for two days so that you're not gathering on the Sabbath. And so they got... So every night they would have to go to bed. They don't have the rent in the bank. They've got the manna on the ground but they have to trust God for it. And without fail, God always provided the manna. And then you know what happened after that. So a period of time goes on and and all of a sudden now they're just kind of, you know, kind of getting sick of manna. 
mana burgers, mana cotti, mana this, mana that. Give us meat to eat. We want flesh, you know, like we did in Egypt. What Egypt are you talking about? Oh, you know, the Egypt where we had the leeks and the onions and the buffet, barbecue chicken, spicy ahi poke over here. (laughs) We were in slavery. What are you talking about? And so what does God do? Oh, the manna is not good enough anymore. It's not satisfying you. And by the way, I, I don't know, I think we're going to get to know what the manna was. But some of the studies I've done in the Bible of what manna was, this stuff was amazing. So amazing, they put it in the Ark of the Covenant, along with Aaron's budding rod and the tablets. Oh, I'd like to see that. Well, don't look in. The last guy that did that was, anyway, that's another topic, <laughs> but <laughs> lifted the mercy seat off. And, the, and anyway, but apparently this manna was exactly what they needed physically. And it was a picture of God's provision if they would but trust Him and be content with that which He provided. I know what you need. See, you need this. It's not you don't need this, you want that. That's your problem. The appetite of the flesh. You know when Paul says, if you walk according to the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh? As a new believer, I could never quite wrap my mind around what that really meant. What does that mean? Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, i got to tell you that, you know, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Man, that flesh rears its ugly head. Give us meat to eat. And how, how do I not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Starve it. Feed the Spirit starve the flesh. You weaken the flesh, so when the flesh wants to rear its ugly head, (laughs) it's too weak to do it. Here's an example, an analogy. Best one I heard. If you got a better one, let me know. The lion is the flesh. You know, your stomach's growling. That's the lion, the flesh. The lamb is the spirit. Well, What happens, we we saw this on Thursday night, the lion lays down with the lamb in the millennium. I can't can't wait just for that during the kingdom age, 1,000 years. But what happens if you, if a lion is next to a lamb now, you get lamb chops because the lion is going to eat the lamb. Wait a minute, what if I starve that lion and feed that lamb So here's the lion. Instead of that growl, it's more like, (gasps) but I've been feeding that lamb, feeding the spirit. And as Gail Irwin once said, now I got Lambo 
<laughs> and I mean, he's so strong, and he rises up and walks over to that weak lion that can't even get up. <laughs> you can't do nothing. That's the spirit in the flesh. So God gives them over to the lusts of their flesh. And it's really quite intense. It's graphic, actually. But he sends this quail, and they get this quail, and they eat this quail. And while the meat is still in between their teeth, they die because they ate so much of it. That's a good picture of the flesh, isn't it? Trust the Lord. He will always provide the manna 